You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams and Marty Foster. Nice to have you back, Marty. How was your holiday? It was great. I was telling Bruce earlier, um, really, really nice time. However, my feet were very sore. We were walking probably 10 to 12, maybe 14 miles a day right the way through the week. And yeah, Rome has cobbled streets going back over 2,000 years, and they're still in use, and um, they can be quite demanding on on modern day feet that's why the uh the romans all ride scooters everywhere hardly any of them walk yes it is very uh very old road system down there yes it's um a couple thousand years old that's true and i've i've not been on them but i have seen them what were the uh the travel conditions like for you to get down there i'm assuming you flew yes or did you take a train no we flew uh it was absolutely plain sailing <laughs> um, to mix metaphors or motor transport. Yeah, the airport was virtually empty. The aircraft itself wasn't fully booked out, so there was loads of spacing between people. Yeah, it was fine. Obviously, you had to wear a mask for the entirety of the flight, but it's only a two and a half hour flight. And combine that with the time spent in the airport itself with a mask on or face covering, as we should call them. That was a bit of a bind, but yeah, it was it was uh, you know fairly easy and not at all crowded, and I felt safe. So yeah, well done them. Well, that's good. Uh, glad you're back. Glad you had a good time and all that stuff. Now it's time to get back to work, Bruce. Okay, Bruce, uh, how are you today? Uh, doing well. A little like I, I could easily go on a tangent about the mask covering and stuff. Hearing hearing the story about it, but obviously that's not today's not the day for it. Well, it kind of is. It kind of is because we're seeing a, a push for uh, for masks and we don't quite know why, although we've had our suspicions and we've put out podcasts on what we believe that's all about. And of course, now we're starting to see inklings of medical professionals that are coming out. Obviously, they can't do it publicly. They're doing it privately, talking about the long term effects of people that wear masks and what's happening. So uh, this is ranging from you know bacteriological diseases uh, on up to. Uh, staff infections. And that's that's kind of what we're starting to see now, which we kind of knew that was coming. You know, you go out there and you wear a mask for 8, 10, 12 hours a day. Well, what do you expect? Or you see people that are out there. I, I love the ones that run with a mask on. That's just, I, I don't even know what to say to that. You should not be doing that unless you're in some type of a training environment. That shouldn't be something that you that you do. I mean, it's just, that's insane. That's crazy. You know how dangerous that is? Anyway, all right. So we're not going to get into that today. Today, we're going to get into uh, vaccines. We're going to get into where we believe this agenda is going. And it ties into what we did last week, uh, and or two weeks ago, I think it's been now, on the Agenda of Societal Change podcast. And what we laid out there was essentially, if you haven't listened to it, if you're a new listener, I know we've been picking those up. If you're a new listener and you're wondering what in the world is this guy talking about, we essentially laid out what the plan is for the World Economic Forum. And who are the World Economic Forum? It's a group of finance capital or financiers and philanthropic people such as George Soros and and his kind and other various corporations throughout the world. And they get together every 12 months in Davos, Switzerland, and they lay out the plan of what's going to be uh, our lives for that year. And this year, their plan is to do a world economic reset, and they're going to use COVID in order to do that. This is why we explained in that episode, governments don't have a plan. If you think a government right now, I don't care which one it is. I don't care if it's the UK. I don't care if it's Germany, Italy, France, the United States, Canada. These governments don't have a plan. They don't have an exit strategy, as we call it, excuse me, as the UK government called it. What's the exit strategy? What's the exit strategy? There isn't an exit strategy. The only strategy they have is what we're going to get into today, because what I found out was quite shocking. And we found it by accident, didn't we, Bruce? We we weren't even really looking for it. And I learned one thing. I learned one thing. This affects most Western nations, and we're going to get into all that. Uh, But I did learn one thing. And the one thing I learned was Boris Johnson directly, okay, him specifically, if this man doesn't know what's going on, if he doesn't know what the agenda is, then he is either 
he's either fully aware of what's happening or he's the most incompetent man to walk the halls of number 10 since Neville Chamberlain. That's the only thing I can say about him. And I don't mean any disrespect, Marty. Yeah, none taken. And, and, and I agree. He's either fully aware of what's happening or he's the most stupidest man alive. And, and I don't think he's that. But I've still got this element of trust for him. But he's, he's become invisible. We're not seeing him. We're not hearing enough from Boris. So maybe he does know. And the less contact he has with the press and the media, the less chance there is of giving the game away. That's what I think is happening. Yes, I, I, I completely agree with you. And he is he's MIA. He's nowhere to be found. But we might have an explanation for that. And you start to say, okay, well, what are you talking about? What conclusion are we going to try and reach here? Well, the other day when Bruce and I were researching something completely different, we were looking at what was going on in New York with Governor Cuomo and that whole deal up there with him being sued by, it's a coalition of uh, gym owners. And in that article, in that article, there was just a small little, you know how they kind of link to other articles just kind of off to the side or down at the end of something or midway, they, they kind of throw in another story or two. Well, midway through this article, come across this article that says Novavax shares rise after a deal to provide 60 million doses of coronavirus vaccine to the UK. Huh? Well, first of all, that led me to think, who's Novavax? Who are they? Okay, so we started looking into that, and that is, we're going to get into that in a second. 60 million doses, that's almost enough to inoculate your entire population over there in the UK. So that leads me to believe that they are going to be one, if not the sole provider of vaccines to vaccinate your entire population. That doesn't sound suspicious or anything, that one company is going to get everything to that. Okay. So as I said to Bruce, I said, does this sound right to you? And and I started, you know, rattling off this stuff. And uh, he said, no. So we started digging into this. And I said, OK, well, who's Novavax? So obviously you want to start there. But uh, before we get down into that, I want to go down through what this article was. And it's not very long. It was just a few things to kind of, you know, just put it out there. But it wasn't really talked about. I don't understand. Like, Marty, is there anything since I brought this to your attention a few days ago, since you and I talked on the phone a few days ago? Have you heard word one in any of the UK press about any of this? No, not one word. We've not heard anything about it. You were the first one to draw my attention to this. And as we briefly spoke about it uh, just the other day, there's more and more warning signs popping up with it. And it, it just seems so suspicious. But yeah, you're right. 60 million uh, would just about do the entire population, assuming that the very young don't require it because for, for whatever reason. But yeah, 60 million would mean that that's pretty much the entire population of the UK. Did you want to make some more points? Because you know, I, I I'm, well, I was just going to go down through basically how this is going to work and how this deal was reached. Uh, and then we can get into the uh, the meat and potatoes of this uh, this company. And then we can go right down the list. Because when we started down this rabbit hole, it just kind of exploded into this whole web of just stuff. And there's some familiar voices, or excuse me, familiar faces and well, and voices that we're going to talk about. Essentially, yes, I, I thought, okay, this is kind of odd because you've got a population of about, you know, 60, 65 million, somewhere along in there. And I thought that's almost enough to do your entire population. So essentially, okay, one provider, that, that can't be right. But it starts off saying that Novavax didn't disclose the financial terms of the agreement. There's a reason for that. And we're going to talk about why that is because we found out why. So as part of the deal, the UK will collaborate Collaborate, collaborate, yeah, meaning, and you'll understand why I'm about to say this, collaborate in this sense means that they're doing what they're told. That's what it is. They will collaborate with the company on its phase three clinical trial, which is expected to begin this quarter. The potential vaccine, right, will be tested on around 9,000 adults between ages 18 and 85. So uh, shares, of obviously, this company went up. Okay. Well, all right. The CEO has come out and says that they're honored to partner with the UK government to deliver a vaccine that could provide vital protection in the fight against the global health crisis. Hmm. Okay. You get picked to be a sole provider to an entire nation, more or less. You know, I, mean, I understand there's a couple of million in there, but you get picked to be a sole provider of an entire nation for a company like yours. Okay. They've already, on top of that, They've already reached a deal with the U.S. government. There is an operation underway in the United States, and they've given Novavax $1.6 billion to develop and manufacture a potential vaccine. And they are to deliver 100 million doses by the beginning of 2021 to the United States. So we're talking about a company here 
who has 375 employees. Okay, that's all they have. 375 employees. And they are to deliver 60 million doses of the vaccine to the UK for essentially its entire population, more or less. And they are to deliver vaccines to the United States in the amount of 100 million doses, enough to vaccinate at least a third of the population. Well, now, what is so strange about this? What's odd about this? Well, let's start with Novavax. Let's start with the company itself. Uh, unless either one of you would like to jump in here uh, before I get into the company. It's just the the, the figures. I mean, I, I've not seen the document, but 60 uh, it's million. Up, it's up there. I can, yeah. Well, that's yeah, the yeah. thing, but yeah, go ahead. Okay. But but 60 million doses of uh, a vaccine, and this is a coronavirus, so it's a flu-like virus. Uh, and the current situation is year on year, all those that are vulnerable and require a flu vaccine can either pay for it themselves or they'll get it free if they fall into that vulnerable category. This is normal flu uh, vaccine. And they have to have that every year. So this wouldn't be a one-off production of 60 million uh, vials of the vaccine. It may well be that this is just one part of, of the overall plan. And with a small company of 375 employees, I don't know how fast once the, the vaccine has been uh, tested and approved and you know stamped as, as fit for use, I don't know how long it would take a small company like that to produce that many doses. So, you know, I'm, I'm just adding a word of caution here that that 60 million might be over a period of time, a fixed period of time. Is, is that written anywhere in the contract or, or uh, as, anywhere you can see? As far as I know, this is my guess. This is my guess. I don't know this because I don't know anything about uh, what is written in the quote contract. The only thing that I know is that we were able to, that I was able to find is that it's my understanding that since they are delivering, they've agreed to deliver 100 million doses to the US by early 2021. I would assume you're looking at about the same time period for uh, the UK. That's my guess. If they're going to deliver to the US, then it stands to so, reason that... Go ahead. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of have an answer on that one. They are teaming up. Novavax is teaming up with multiple companies that are actual manufacturers. All they're doing is producing the product, sending the product to a manufacturer, and then the manufacturer's doing it. They teamed up with someone in South, uh, South Korea, and they'll be the sole provider in South Korea. I forget what the company's name is in Japan. They, they have a deal uh, with a major company there that's been around for like 185 years or something like that. They'll be uh, teaming up with them to produce the vaccine. And obviously, um, I'm, I'm assuming that's the same scenario for the UK and the US. They, they just are basically collaborating with another company to actually do the production, whereas they just produce the product. Yeah. Okay. So, so Novavax is like the, is going to be the origin for all of these vaccinations and there's a, a global chain of companies that are going to actually produce the dosage in bulk. That's what you're saying, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. As I saw the name of this company, I thought, all right, let's uh, let's start digging, right? So as soon as we started to get into this, we thought, all right, this this is a this is a company that was founded in 1987. Okay, so about 33 years ago, this company was founded, and I thought, all right, well, they've been around since the late 80s. They had to have produced something that's of some kind of you know value or something like that. And I thought, all right, well, let's see what they've done. Their main task through just about everything at this point has been to develop uh, some type of a vaccine against human respiratory syncytial viruses. So that's that's been their main task uh, since its inception. Now, this is an American company, and they serve, obviously, all parts of uh, the world through their um, you know, development and manufacturing and things of that nature. But the interesting thing was, is that uh, everything that they've done as far as vaccines that they've developed that we know of, that we were able to find, there was one that was called ResVax, right? ResVax, I think, that was the Ebola one, uh, wasn't it, uh, Bruce? Or was that a different Resvax, one? Resvax, no. That Resvax was a different one. That one was for a that was, was the respiratory, either, right? That was a respiratory one. Yeah, it's like right. RSV okay, yes. or, or or something like that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. So they were to develop a Resvax vaccine. Okay, of some kind. They were also doing trials for a combination of seasonal flu and an RSV vaccine. They were to develop some type of work on an Ebola vaccine. They were tasked. I think this is one of the main companies that was tasked with dealing with MERS. MERS being Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome. That's part of what we're dealing with now to an extent. It's a different 
form of it. And of course, they were one of the companies that was working on one of the SARS vaccines from back in, uh, it was the first outbreak of the SARS epidemic, correct? That's that's the same, same yes. time frame? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we thought, all right, they've done all this. And we started looking through all the different studies that they've done and all the different trials that they've done. And what did we discover? All the vaccines that we just named, all the trials that they did, not a single one, not a single one has ever passed the trials. They've all failed, every single one. And we thought, okay, well, why does a company who's never developed a viable working product get to be the provider of an entire nation and a third of another major nation? How does that happen? How does that happen? So as we started to look around, we thought, okay, where's the money coming from, right? Where's all, where's all this money coming from? Because the company was in dire straits. It was in trouble. The company was in danger of being actually pulled off of the stock exchange. They weren't going to be listed any longer. They were ready to go bust until what? Somebody swooped in. Somebody swooped in and gave in 2015 and gave them an $89 million grant to produce a vaccine for Resvax or the RSV vaccine, which is the human respiratory syncytial virus. Now, who was the person that gave him $89 million? That came from an investment firm called the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Well, why is it when I start kicking doors open, I always see that guy? Why is it? So, okay. In 2016, right after receiving that grant, they started testing that vaccine for Resvax and it failed. Three trials. Obviously, since it didn't work, it was unsuccessful. They got rid of 30% of the staff, right? Looks here like uh, it says that, what'd you say? After re they re reworked the vaccine and the dosage and they put it back into trials yeah. again. Yeah. So they, they, they were doing some research on it and found that if you change the dosage of the, the vaccine, mm -hmm. that it was showing possible promise. Uh, so they, they reworked that and uh, then went into trials again. I got you. Okay. Do you, let's, I tell you what, let's talk about the top investor. Uh, let's talk about RA Capital Management. What, what did you learn about capital, RA Capital Management? Who are they? So RA Capital is, uh, it's an organization that basically, there's just an investment firm that they, they invest in research and development of pharmaceuticals. On the books, they have something like 54 uh, companies they've invested in so far. And just so happened that they did a large stock buy of, of Novavax and bought like 8% of the, they're the largest shareholder now. It's it's only at mm -hmm. like 8% or so, but nonetheless, they're the largest. And they, they bought like, uh, I'd have to look at what the stocks were, how many stocks they bought, but they, they bought a large sum of uh, stocks from them. Enough to raise some flags. Okay. Fair enough. In January of 2020, we started to see the uh, the emergence of SARS-CoV-2, or as we call it, the coronavirus or COVID-19. Novavax announced that they were going to develop a vaccine for this, uh, NVX-COV-2373. And this was their particular vaccine to test for SARS-CoV-2. What is this uh, in March 2020, the, uh, the anthrax vaccine? Okay, so uh, this is just kind of um, uh, just extra info, if you will. Uh, Novavax did some work. This is interesting. Uh, this is interesting here. Yeah. In, in March 2020, right, as you, as you listed here when you pulled this one, March 2020, they announced a collaboration with uh, Emergent Biosolutions, okay? Emergent is to manufacture at the vaccine at their factory in Baltimore, right? So mm -hmm. this is part of what you said, how they're going to do this. They're going to manufacture with other companies. Now, it says down underneath of that, when that you listed down there when you pulled your research, it says that they also signed deals with other companies, such as a $135 million deal with Johnson & Johnson, okay? Mm -hmm. And a $174 million deal with AstraZeneca, to be the manufacturing company for a COVID-19 vaccine. Interestingly enough, these are the two companies that Bill Gates worked a deal with to manufacture mm -hmm. the COVID-19 vaccine. These are the companies that he worked with through his foundation, but now we see it's being put through Novavax. And you say, okay, well, he only gave $89 million to support one vaccine in 2015. Oh, it gets better. The vaccine, obviously right here, it says it's to be finished by 2021. The first uh, human safety studies of the vaccine were done in Australia, and phase two clinical trials began yeah, began in South Africa on August 17th. So phase three will enroll ninth, which we talked about, will enroll 9,000 adults from the UK and third quarter of 2020. And then, of course, it's to be done by 2021 and be delivered. All right. Fast forward to March, right? Fast forward to March of this year. Between March in May of 2020 this year, the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations invested $388 million into Novavax for its COVID-19 vaccine. Okay. So we thought, all right, what is the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations? Never heard of that. Who are they? 
This is where it gets really good. As we started to look into this organization and we started to kick this door open, what we found was completely shocking. And that is, it's a foundation that takes donations from public, private, philanthropic and civil society organizations to finance independent research projects to develop vaccines against emerging infectious diseases. Okay, well, I mean, that that sounds good on the surface, doesn't it? You know, you get bringing everybody in on it and getting everybody to work together to come up with something. Now, that doesn't explain who's involved, where it was founded and where they get money. That doesn't explain any of it, because as everybody knows, follow the money. Right? You start following money, you don't know where it's going to take you. This particular organization, the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, was founded in 2015, but it was put together on a drawing board for two years, and it was launched in 2017 at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. Huh. Boy, that doesn't sound suspicious or anything, seeing as how that's the group of people that we're talking about in the last podcast we talked about with how they're going to re-engineer society using COVID-19 as the cover for them to hit a reset button on the global economic system. That doesn't sound suspicious at all, does it? It was co-founded with $460 million from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And this is also in conjuncture of other nations such as Norway, Japan, Germany, the European Union, and Britain have joined this as well, the UK. So uh, it's headquartered in Oslo, Norway. And like I said, uh, it doesn't uh, doesn't sound um, doesn't sound suspicious or anything. This organization was identified by several media outlets as being a key player in the race to develop a vaccine for coronavirus in 2019. Well, it just so happens that we have an organization already. Right. It's just just so happens that it's already there. See, they plan for this a long time. These people are so transparent. It's laughable. It's laughable at this point. And we haven't even really started to dig we just found this on the surface. We tripped over this when we were looking for something else. And there's more to this. There's more to this. You say, OK, well, they received a grant for $388 million in the month of May from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. You say, OK, well, that all right. What, what is that? All right. What, what is that? What does that have to do with anything? That could have happened at any time. Oddly enough, I remember a small incident that took place right around the same time. And I couldn't remember exactly when it was. I thought, when did that happen? And what do I mean by that? I mean, Bill and Melinda Gates met with Prime Minister Boris Johnson in May. I thought it was around in May. And I thought, well, that's awful strange. And the media talked about it for about a day, right? It was just about a day. And then it just, of course, it went away. So I thought, when was that? When was that? So I actually went to, I went to www.gov.uk, right? The actual website of the UK government. And they have it listed right here on their website. Prime Minister call with Bill and Melinda Gates on the 19th of May, 2020. Prime Minister Boris Johnson spoke to Bill and Melinda Gates today via video call. Now, it doesn't necessarily give all the discussion of what happened. We're, we're of course, not going to know that. But it says the Prime Minister spoke to Bill and Melinda Gates today via video call. He was joined by Katie Bingham, chair of the UK Vaccine Task Force. They discussed the UK's contribution to helping countries around the world tackle the coronavirus and the important work of the Gates Foundation in this area. Both parties expressed their hope that a viable vaccine will be found as soon as possible. Oh, yes, they're rushing to get that out to humanity because they care so much. They also shared their commitment to the vital work of Gavi, which we're going to talk about Gavi here shortly, the Vaccine Alliance, and looked forward to the upcoming UK-hosted Global Vaccine Summit on June the 4th, which we will get into. Like I said, this is what leads me to believe that Boris Johnson either knows exactly what's going on or he is the most incompetent person walking the halls of number 10 since Neville Chamberlain. And like I said, I don't mean any offense by that. I mean no disrespect to anyone in the UK. I love the UK and I love all the people in it. So I mean absolutely no disrespect by that. But clearly... The man has an obligation if he's a man of the people. And I don't mean to speak out of turn here, and I do apologize, Marty, you can come in on this. But if he's a man of the people, if he is someone that's standing up, then he has an obligation to inform the citizenry of what's actually happening. If we found this just tripping over it by accident, then why is it that this is not the headline across every UK and US television network and newspaper. Why, why is this not happening? What, what's your take on this? My take on this is that this is part of the smoke and mirrors. You've got a company that was about to go bust. Prime kind of thing for your normal asset strippers to, to buy up. So those that want to have bought all that stock. It said something about 9% of their stock has been bought up by, you know, certain key players. This is this is there for you to find. This is the fainting goat 
I've spoken about fainting goats before, haven't I? Where you've got a goat in a herd of very expensive sheep. It's been bred to fall over and faint when the wolf turns up. So the wolf eats it and not the expensive sheep. And this is this is something left for us to find. So that on the surface of it, it looks like, you know, it's legit. It's philanthropic people offering large donations for the greater good of, of mankind. But what it actually is, I think it's the first step in getting the UK at least to accept, you know, the same way that Big Pharma works in the in the US. I think this is one of those first steps. That's just my cynicism. And it's only because we're cynical and because we look a bit deeper that we can see that there might be problems with this. But it's there because they have to show how the money is being moved around at the same time achieving their agenda. So it's there for us to find. That's why it's there. And the reason it's not being talked about is because either the press see it at face value or don't understand, you know, what it actually is. The part that concerned me the most was... Well, apart from all of it, <laughs> but the thing that stood out to me the most in all of it was I was OK. I mean, we know that Gates is involved in all this. And of course, he's out there pushing vaccines and, and all this stuff. That's his thing now. Right. That That's his thing now. That's his task is he's been put in charge of that particular program. Now, what concerned me was when we started seeing the uh, the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, that organization, how they're steering where this goes and the countries you have involved, and not just that, you've got the World Economic Forum involved in this, which is what we covered last week. And I thought, oh, okay, here's the here's the piece that connects it, right? It's that organization. This is what links it to what we were talking about last week with or two weeks ago with the reset button. This is part of the agenda. This is why I say this was coming regardless. This was coming regardless. This was coming whether or not Donald Trump happened. This was or this was coming whether or not Boris Johnson happened. It was coming. Clearly, as the dates we've uh, we've laid out, you know, this goes all the way back to 2015. So this is just a, a this is a long time coming. So it's not like this is something that is, you know, uh, by chance. I'll, I'll just put it that way. Right. And now I have to ask, Marty, you you said that you've been kind of leaning more and more towards the intentional release. Are you starting to believe that even more now because of all this? I'm still trying not to. But yeah, I, I think when you look at how the virus has reacted and taken its toll on people, it's only hit those hardest with with pre-existing conditions. It doesn't seem to affect children because uh, I, I think you said a while back, you know, as soon as hundreds of children start dying from this virus, the public groundswell and, you know, opinion would be too strong for the, even these very, very clever Machiavellian types to, to handle. So I think it was designed to hit certain people globally, I'm talking, and, and I think it was, um, was released intentionally, but I really would rather not believe that. But the more I hear the more I'm inclined to believe it. Just real quick on on pointing out that uh, we're not anti-vaxxers. Uh, I just want to yes, point that correct. out. That that's correct. We, we, we do like vaccines and whatnot. The problem is, is when you start getting into these, when you start seeing the connections and everything and, and who's doing what, where the money is, and recent research and everything into gene splicing and all kinds. Personally, I start getting like, okay, now I don't trust any of you. Now it's like, I can't trust science anymore. I can't trust because it's been politicized. I can't trust these businesses saying that they're out there doing stuff to better humanity. That's usually a red flag when you start flaunting that. That's a good point to uh, to call out there. You know, I, I'm not I'm not one of these anti-vaxxer people. You know, I, I've never I've never been that. I mean, I must I mean, I've been vaccinated. But of course, that was done a long time ago when it's a, it's a different thing. I mean, I, I know that the science of vaccines, it's there. Right. It's, it's there. It, I mean, vaccines are a proven thing. It does work. But as you said, Bruce, when you start getting down into the nitty gritty of this stuff, when you start drilling down into it and you see what the message is that's being promoted, you see the people that are coming out promoting it. And they're essentially they're almost forcing you. Right. They're almost forcing it on people. And as you know, to your point, Marty, as people look at this, myself included, as we get further and further into this and you think, wait a minute, and we start looking and putting all these pieces together. We're thinking, wait a minute here. OK, maybe they did do this on purpose. You know, maybe they did. And we have we all have our own opinions on it. And that's fine. Right. Whether you believe that or not, it, it doesn't matter. You can't deny the fact that it's here now and we have to deal with it. But it's how they're using it is the key. And clearly, 
clearly the way that it was manufactured. And yes, I said manufactured the way that it was manufactured. This type of mutation that we're dealing with with this virus could not have happened naturally. Couldn't have. German scientists, Indian scientists, Japanese scientists, they've all scanned it, said, no, this is not something that happens in nature. This is something that was biologically engineered to behave this way. So when you have a group of people that manufacture something like this in a country like China, because they can't get away with it here in the West, they can't do it in our labs here in the West. Why? Because it's illegal. So they have to do their dirt in China where they don't have. To. Do you think China pays attention to the uh, Biological Weapons Convention that was written by Francis Boyle? Do you, do you think they pay attention to that? <laughs> I assure you they don't. They get away with it over there. They fund the research. They fund the development of the virus itself. It gets released rather intentional or accidentally, which, like I said, we all have our own opinions on it. The fact is it's here now. So you do this. You own it. You own it. It allows them to control the agenda, go for the power grab. And then guess what? They have the solution, right? Oh, it's the vaccine. As I said from the start of this thing, never any talk about how to boost your own immune system, never any talk about how to live a healthy lifestyle. It's just wear a mask, shut up, wait for a vaccine. That's your only saving grace. And if you don't do that, you're going to die. That's what we're being told. Bill Gates comes out. I got a clip here. I'm going to play him. Uh, he comes out and gives a statement to the Financial Times. And this is him on April 9th of this year. OK, so this is a, a few months after the um, uh, after the initial st onset uh, here in the West. So this is him speaking to the Financial Times on the COVID-19 vaccine itself that he himself is funding along with many others, but he himself is one of the key funders of this and in conjunction with organizations like the World Economic Forum, which we've gone through who most of those people are. So here's him speaking to the Financial Times on April 9th of this year. And what about that trade-off? You just mentioned, obviously, the economic pain. What do you think the right balance is between the trade-off of protecting people's lives and the economic hit? I mean, do you see a situation where the global economy could be virtually at a standstill for a year or even more? Well, it won't go to zero, but it will shrink. Global GDP is going to take, uh, you know, probably the biggest hit ever. You know, maybe the Depression was worse or 1873. I don't know. But in my lifetime, there this will be the greatest economic hit. But you don't have a choice. People act like you have a choice. People don't feel like going to the stadium uh, when they might get infected. You know, it, it's not the government who's saying, OK, just ignore this disease. And, you know, people are deeply affected by seeing these deaths, by knowing they could be part of the transmission chain. And, you know, old people, uh, their parents, their grandparents could be affected by this. And so you don't, you know, you don't get to say, uh, ignore uh, what's going on here. There, are, there will be the ability, particularly in rich countries, to open up if things are done well over the next few months. But for the world at large, normalcy only returns when we've largely vaccinated the entire global population. And, and so, you know, although there's a lot of work on testing, a lot of work on drugs that we're involved with, you know, trying to achieve that ambitious goal, which has never been done for the vaccine, that rises to the top of the list. Right. We know that Gates, his father was a, a renowned advocate of eugenics. That's a fact, yeah? That is correct. He was also one of the uh, one of the leaders of Planned Parenthood as well, yes. We know that Gates is on record as saying that he would like to correct some of the defective genes across humanity, particularly the ones that, for instance, promote aggressive behaviour. I believe that's he's on record for that as well. That is correct, yes. Okay, no, I don't trust a word the man says. His whiny, it sounds like he doesn't have any testicles. Um, it sounds <laughs> like he's been chemically castrated. I think the man is a danger to us. And I think the plan is to get a global vaccination. And when you look at what they can do nowadays, again, this is pure paranoia, but do you honestly believe that they tell us everything that they've achieved with, you know, genetically modifying things? The ability Absolutely to splice not. one. Right. Absolutely. Okay. And and look at look at COVID. I've read in in several places that the spike proteins inside COVID-19 are identical to HIV. And this is why these scientists that have studied it have said, no way did this thing occur naturally. It's been engineered. 
So you've got an engineered virus that has been released across the face of the earth, and you've got someone who was obviously influenced. We're all influenced by our parents as we're growing up, or our you know our key caregivers, who believes in 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 purifying the human race, in making us a better creature. Yeah, and the way he could do that is by having something inside that vaccine that could also perhaps within a single span evolution change our genetics and that's my biggest concern and of course we're never going to know like you said earlier on do you know what it's irrelevant whether it's illegal in europe or the west to, to do this kind of research these people ignore laws it doesn't matter how hard economies get hit they will still be the richest people on the face of the earth and that's not going to change you know, it it's created this this situation where China has continued to crack on doing what it's doing. It's continued to work in Africa. It's working in Afghanistan. It's harvesting the the world's natural resources. You know, uh, did you say ninety three percent of the world's rare earth metals are actually 97. owned now by ninety seven? Oh, it's even worse. Are actually owned by by the. Chinese Communist Party in China. It's actually ninety. It's actually ninety-eight. I'm being conservative here. Yeah. So no, Bill Gates. I don't like the look of him, and I don't like the sound of what he's saying. Getting back to Novavax, it's a front. It's just a way they would have to to continue the plausible deniability. Actually, show money moving around and going into places. I don't believe for a minute that this 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 firm that was on the verge of bankruptcy is now about to you know come up with the goods after what we got there uh one two three four five major failed vaccines combination seasonal flu and rsv ebola mers or mers and sars they failed to get a vaccine for any of those conditions despite the fact that they were being very heavily funded. And I dare say this company under its leadership of, what was his name? Peter Kolchinsky uh, is the uh, founder yes. of the company. Yeah. Yes. I dare say that they've gone from this research grant to that research grant, and that's how they've survived. Now, all of a sudden, they've been identified as as a company that has all the right hallmarks to act as a front in in what's happening with the you know the, the actual vaccine and and the actual intention of the vaccine i know people were very very ill uh, and many many died from this virus and being on a ventilator is is not at all dignified it looks one of the scariest things ever when you're lying on your front with you know intubated and having a machine assist you to breathe and I and I know that the people who were working in in healthcare were working extremely hard and were getting stressed out by this, you know, increase in in cases. But I'm still sure that the total number of deaths from COVID isn't as high as some of the um, large flu outbreaks that we've had over the or by comparison, uh, yeah, you know, over the last century. Yeah, so. Yeah, I'm totally mistrustful. I'm sorry. I'm not an anti-vaxxer either. I've actually been vaccinated against more things than most people because you, of the, yeah. You, you've had the anthrax vaccine as well, yes? Yes, I have. And and that had its problems. So I'm pretty sure that that caused problems when I came back out of that theater of war for me personally. And this company, this Novavax, as per Bruce's research that he pulled, this Novavax company, in collaboration with uh, Emergent Biosolutions, they were one of the companies that purchased the manufacturing rights for that very vaccine that you had back in the 90s. Yeah. And now learning that none of their vaccines have actually managed to get through major clinical trials all the way to being fit for public use. Well, it concerns me. But it concerns me because I've got that cynical way of thinking. Most people, even if they heard about this on the news, would just think, oh, yeah, that's good. Isn't that nice? Bill and, Bill and Melinda Gates, they're giving all that money. Fantastic. George Soros, what a great guy. Chinese Communist Party, they're all right. That's how most people think. And yeah. we're putting ourselves through a lot of stress and you know mental strain with the amount of thought we're putting into this because... 
you know, it, we've seen it. We've, we've, I think we've seen through it and we're in the minority, mate. We are definitely in the minority as far as people who have seen through this. And you start to speak about it. When you speak about it with people, people, you know, they don't want to listen. They don't want to hear it. And the moment you start suggesting that you don't really need to wear a mask, it's not really that, that necessary. They get angry. They get angry. They get angry. Yeah. You know, you have the finger pointed at you. You're the one causing the trouble. You're the one that's willing to pass the infection on. Well, you know, I'm not sure. I was asked if I wanted to go and have an antibodies test. I got a letter through the post to say I'd been selected at random to go and have the antibody test. When they come to do this trial, if this trial is actually being genuinely performed, the 9,000 test subjects... Some of them will have the antibodies. Some of them will never have been exposed to it. Many of them, especially with that age bracket, are going to annual flu vaccination. So, you know, the test itself, I really would love to see the results of the uh, the test in Australia. Uh, and then, of course, we've they've started testing in South Africa. And it's only, it, that started on the 17th of August. And today is only the 19th. So it started two days ago. So. I'd love to know the results of those well in advance of the 9,000 volunteers from the UK that are going to be subjected to this trial. So real quick, the bit that I, that was listed there, the uh, Peter Kwokchinski or whatever, that is uh, in regards to Ari Capital. He's he's the founder of Ari Capital. I'm sorry, I, I, that wasn't really clear my, oh, okay. my the way I'm I'm doing all the bullet points and everything. It, it wasn't. No, that's fine. I, I didn't explain all that. No, um, you're good. So ju- just for clarification there. Anyway, okay. So my perspective on all of that. Okay. So first of all, Africa doesn't really like Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for exactly the reason you, you were talking about. He's a eugenist, right? He he likes that idea. Now. I'm kind of a eugenist in a sense, because I want to be able to find technologies to determine what DNA strands cause things like eyesight problems, heart disease, kids to be born without limbs or, you know, different things like that. And I want to be able to correct that in the womb, right? I want to be able to, or, or even after that. I, I, I don't want to see a eugenics in the sense of like, we're going to make the, the perfect Aryan race or something like that. I want to, I want a correction part of thing, you know, so, but I don't want to see the, unfortunately, this is, this is the dark side of it. You, to have the ability to do those things, you're also going to have the ability to uh, get rid of the aggression uh, gene or, which I, I think is going to be impossible because that's tied to testosterone. So you, you're going to basically make everyone feminine is the only conclusion that you can come to that that I can process Which, out. But on a side note for that particular point, before we forget it and get too deep into it, what have we been seeing mm-hmm. is the uh, the enemy over the last, oh, I don't know, decade, uh, toxic yeah. masculinity. Just saying. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. They've been, they've been trying to do that. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, it would be no surprise that <laughs> That's exactly what they want. Now, the other question is, is uh, these leaders, the the quote unquote elite, are they going to have the same kind of genetic augmentation that they're insisting that the populace have? Now, no. it, right. I don't believe this specific one, this this vaccine is going to be exactly that. I don't think this is the eugenics thing. This one, I think, is going to relatively be benign in, in, in that sense. They're going to try to make a vaccine, whether or not it works or it fails. We don't know. There could be some other side effects to this that are not necessarily fatal, but problematic, you know, could have some kind of cognitive issues or in the sense of like causing emotional problems or, or make them sick for a while and not have any antibody generation. I don't know what's going on there. But that said, this is basically a trial run. This is just to see how well the populace will accept it, how quickly and how efficiently they can get this out and get everybody to the idea, hey, we're in this trying to make it solve a problem with everybody, make them look like the good guys. We just did this amazing feat and we we can do this again, you know, if a pandemic ever arises again. And then the next one that comes up will be the one that's engineered. The next vaccine will be the one that they've worked on for a few years, have gotten it down pat, have gotten the any kind of genetic augmentations that we currently are able to do in the vaccine and then, you know, put it out there. That is what I'm more concerned about. As you were pointing out with the masks, people are so on board with this. They are so terrified of the virus 
which, by the way, we've talked about it. Masks don't work. They don't do any good. They're actually causing more harm in many cases. We talked about it recently where people, more people are in the hospital because of uh, staph infection and uh, other respiratory infections that are caused by the mask or could be caused by the mask wearing. Uh, obviously, I mean, and the the, that's the only thing we can conclude. Yeah. And psychological issues. And uh, we're seeing businesses discriminating against certain peoples that have medical conditions and uh, so on and so forth. Society is just being conditioned at this point uh, for this. So uh, I, I, I just yeah. One note about Novavax uh, real quick. Novavax had a vaccine that was just fast tracked in January called Nanoflu and uh, the FDA approved it. And I think they got a little bit of money for for the fast tracking. I wasn't able to track down if they were or how much that wasn't really talked about. But nonetheless, they were getting fast track approval in January for this nano flu uh, All right, let's, vaccine. Let's look into that on a, on the side. Let's let's look into that. I'm interested. Yeah. In that one. Let's, let's look into that. Yeah. I, yeah. That, there's something wrong there. Um, yeah, yeah. So the the, the nano flu one is supposed to be specifically for the elderly. That That's the target yeah. audience. Yeah. And so, that's the target yeah. audience of COVID nineteen. So let let's see if we can let's see if we can d- drill down into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are so many metaphors and analogies uh, for what I think and what it seems that you guys think they are trying to do here. This is kind of like that first thing that uh, a serial borrower does lends you some money, and then the next thing you know, they'll be saying when they need a loan, they'll borrow it from you and never pay it back, and and it's just this. This first step is to gain trust so that when, as you say, when they've got what they want to put into our veins developed, that we'll just accept it. We've become accepting of wearing masks. We've become accepting of being locked in our own houses. We've become accepting of maintaining a two-meter distance. Well, hold Uh, hold on. I I have to stop you there. I have to stop you there. And and the reason I say I have to stop you there is because there are those people that are not putting up with it. And by that, I mean the protests that you haven't heard about. These have been going on since you've been gone. Uh, There have been protests here in Berlin, and they're getting bigger. And when I say bigger, I'm talking Two weeks ago, they had 1.3 million people standing at the feet of the steps at the Bundestag. Uh, that's not making headlines anywhere. The media showed up and said, oh, there's only 20,000 people here and they're nothing but a bunch of Nazis. That's what's happening. And they've called for another one. The Germans have called for another one, a peaceful protest, no masks, no social distancing, and they're inviting the world. And it's to happen on the 29th of August, 10 days from now. And it's going to be even bigger. So I, I don't think people are as accepting as as what you think to the extent that from what Gates had to say, from, from what he said there, when he said people don't feel like going to stadiums, that's not true. People want to go back to stadiums. You guys want to get back in football stadiums in the UK, don't you? I would imagine you would. The only problem well, is, is that the teams don't let you. It's the yeah, call of okay. the, the teams. The media is keeping the fear up. People are deeply affected by the deaths. I don't think that's true because, in fact, the CDC in the U.S. has even talked about removing it from the pandemic column because people aren't dying of COVID. So, Can I be a bit cynical? Go ahead. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, let me let me build a little cynical here with this. Um, so let's let's just look at this uh, with, with the tinfoil hat, you know, kind of kind of. Level Hold on, let me get that. I got to get it all of Do I need the mask yeah, yeah. too? Do I need the tinfoil I've mask? I've had mine on all day. Yeah. You're spit on all day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what if some of the organizers that that planned this, their entire intention—no social distancing, no masks—was to push the narrative that, see, we had a large congregation of people, and look at that, the virus has spiked and it spread like wildfire. What if their intention was to in, uh, try to get it to spread in that scenario so that it looks worse and it, it, it like starts a second wave, if you will, especially with this, the, the one coming up, they're wanting people to come in from around the world. You know, I mean, it just, well, look, it would be okay. a perfect breeding ground Here, for that. I, yeah, I, I agree. Go ahead. Event, event 201. They ran every scenario they possibly could. They have got very accurate computer models based on human behavior. They've got AI that decides what a large group of people with a given set of circumstances, how they will respond. Of course they knew. I don't think there's any cynicism involved at all. It's, well, it's no, hold on. just I obvious. Have to- 
I think that no, I, I honestly, I don't think so. I think if that were the case, if that were the case, then you would see a media that would foster that agenda. No pun intended. They would carry that agenda and they would say, oh, look how irresponsible all these people are being. Instead, that Marty, that was the second protest. The first one was ignored completely. The second one got even bigger. It was over a million people. And the media said, oh, there's only 20,000 people here. There, no, nothing to see here. Nothing, nothing to see here. So the next one's going to be even bigger. If that were the case, then you think that they would be advertising it more. You would see some kind of coverage from it, and they're not. They're doing everything to try and hide it. On top of that, you said a key word there, Bruce, spikes. That's the key word now, isn't it? Spikes, spikes, mm-hmm. spikes, cases, cases, infections, infections, right? They're hammering those mm-hmm. terms, but there's no deaths. They're not there. Because as we know, as a virus, any virus, as a virus works its way through a population, as you gain that herd immunity as a population, then the virus gets weaker the more times that it comes in contact with someone and works through that population. And we're getting down to the uh, to the end of really this uh, this first wave life cycle of this thing. And now that we've seen what they've done with the numbers, the flu deaths, or excuse me, the flu cases, the pneumonia cases, the cold and uh, sinus cases, those are all removed now. Everything's zero in those columns for the counting agencies. Everything's COVID. So it doesn't matter what you say and what you do. The fact that it's based on a coronavirus and all these other diseases were based on exactly that. It allows them to control that agenda. It doesn't matter. They'll just say COVID cases all the time now or someone dies. Oh, it'll be we lose what, 20,000 every year to the flu anyway? There's, there's 20. Yeah, there's 20, 30,000 30, COVID deaths this year alone that we're going to be dealing with, according to the new counting yeah. system. And again, I do not want to badmouth anyone's beliefs. OK, but one of the most predictable things about human behavior is related to religion. These kinds of mass population behaviors, visiting each other's houses during Eid, Passover, all the, you know, doesn't matter what religion, there are linked social events with mass gatherings that are all there. All of this can be predicted. And the masses of people returning from mainland China after the after the new year back to northern Italy, where they're they're all involved in the, the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. All of these things are predictable. All of these things can be modeled. The recent spikes in the UK where areas of, of Leicester and Leicestershire got locked back down again, they were directly related to the Muslim festivals as Ramadan ended and Eid was held, there was an immediate spike afterwards, which... Yes, but what were were the deaths? That's the key. What What are the deaths? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The deaths aren't being... Well, the deaths in the first place were being reported falsely, weren't they? Being Yeah, I saw you guys had to revise that. It was like 10 times higher or something. You had to revise it down. Absolutely ridiculous. Every time... People who are in uh, elderly care homes, unfortunately, they are there to die. They are God's waiting room. And so every time someone died inside a care home where there had been a reported case of COVID-19, it was marked down as a COVID death. And there are other incidences there as well. I believe you told me that even George Floyd's death was a COVID death. It was. It was a rec- It was recorded as a COVID yeah. death. Yeah. So we can see how they've fudged the figures. There's just no way we can trust what we're being told. And I, I do believe that the tabletop gaming of these kind of outbreaks, which has been going on for decades now, have told the people, the bad actors, all they need to know about how to release a virus, how the virus will behave, and what it will do to economies. And therefore, because of the damage to the Western economies, it's advantaged other parts of the world. And, you know, this reset button is being pressed. It's it's already been pressed, hasn't it? They've just let go of it now. So that that's that's where I am with it. And my mental state is deteriorating rapidly because of the stuff that's happening and a, a feeling of absolute powerlessness to to stop it. So a, a quick thing for the for the listener, if if you want to look at the death numbers uh, that we're talking about with COVID, the big qualifier that what you're looking for when you look for the death numbers is deaths with COVID and deaths from COVID. Those are two, when, you, when you're reading it, you're just in an article or something, you know, it's it, it you just kind of glaze over it a little bit and just, you know, okay. But 
those are two very different numbers. The numbers with COVID are going to be much higher than the numbers from COVID. So, you know, when you when you guys are looking for those numbers, be sure to look for those two different things. And if you can't find them, it's better to side with the or, or lean towards, well, this is this is an article about deaths with COVID. Um, I know in the U.S., uh, the way that we, we've talked about it, the way the CDC was setting the regulations on how to uh, fill out the death certificate, which is determined at a state level for each state. So it's going to be different. They were telling them to list everything, all the causes, and then at the very bottom have COVID-19 if they had it. And that basically supersedes everything and says, all of this was caused by COVID-19. Uh, I wanted to spend the last couple of minutes here uh, just briefly talking about Gavi. Gavi is the uh, the global vaccine summit, the uh, the vaccine alliance that they had their conference in the UK this year. They hosted it. And like I said, this was a couple of weeks after Boris Johnson met with Bill and Melinda Gates. Just to go down through some of the numbers here and uh, basically what this is, this is an organization, Bruce, I'm pretty sure this is an organization that they just kind of, it's a front, they funnel money and resources to, they just take in the money and they allocate allocate where everything goes. Is that correct? Yeah, more or less. Yeah. It's okay. just like a shell. All right. So essentially, and they made this public, right? We got this document right off their website. We were just toying around on it last night and we thought, boy, it'd be nice if they just had this all in a nice, or they just had all this in a nice little form for us to look at. And I clicked on something and sure enough, here pops a PDF of everything I'm looking for. They're certainly not trying to hide it. As you said, Marty, it's right there for us to find on purpose. But uh, just to give you an idea, I'm going to go down through some of the actual countries. These are the countries that have given, these are donor governments. These are countries that have given to Gavi. They've pledged from 2021 to 2025. And then there are some governments that have pledged all the way up through 2040. Um, and there's not very many of those. And then, of course, there's foundations, corporations, organizations, philanthropic donations and things of that nature. But I'm just going to go over some of the largest ones. France is one of the largest contributors. They've pledged 273 million. Uh, now this is, by the way, this is just this year or a 2021. I'm sorry. They've pledged uh, in total. They've pledged about 400. I'll, I'll go through the total, total, total new pledges. They've pledged 400 million. Germany's pledged 785 million. Canada, 444. I'm just doing Western countries here. Well, the Chinese, the Chicoms, they've only pledged 20 million. That's funny. They, they've only pledged 20 million, whereas all those all these other Western nations are throwing in hundreds of millions. The Norwegians have thrown in a billion, uh, a billion dollars. The Dutch have thrown in a hundred or excuse me, 320. Uh, the Japanese have thrown in 300. The Italians, 250. And once you get down into like the um, the foundations, not too many foundations have given per se, except for one in particular, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They are by far the largest donor. They've given $1.6 billion and they've pledged to match up to 75 donations from other philanthropic organizations or corporations or, or other foundations through 2025. So anyone that gives, of course, you know, they can uh, they can then match what they give. And of course, you get down into some of the other ones. I mean, we're talking single digits on some of these others. I didn't see anyone that gave any more than that. Airtel gave two million. The Rockefeller Foundation. Where have we heard that one before? They gave five million. Unilever. They gave three million. UPS. They gave two million. And once you start getting into some of these others, I found this very interesting. These are some of the other ones that have given other organizations that have given the Gamers Without Borders. I thought that was rather interesting. I, that's that's very strange. They gave one point three million dollars. Mastercard is also involved with this. They've given five million. Reed Hastings and Patty Quillen. By the way, for those that don't know, they gave thirty million. Uh, for those that don't know, that's Netflix and ten million dollars to the World Vaccine Alliance came from TikTok. So again, you start looking at some of these organizations that you're giving your money to on the surface, you think, oh, hey, you know, this is fine. I'm being entertained. I, I'm, I'm giving, I'm using their services. All the while, look what they're doing. They're into everything. They're into personal finance, personal finance companies, MasterCard, personal finance. Everybody uses MasterCard, right? You know, if you don't, then I, I don't know what to say, but you have MasterCard. Okay. They're given to this organization. You mess around on TikTok, right? That's a CCP. Right. That's that's Chinese Communist Party. That's their organization. Netflix. Who doesn't have Netflix these days? You're a video gamer. Guess what? You give the gamers without borders. You support that organization. They're given to this. They're in bed with the likes of Bill and Melinda Gates and the Rockefeller Foundation and all these other organizations that are donating to this. So just to give you an idea, you think, OK, well, it's just as simple as that. I mean, what's it going to be? Unilever. That's another company. Nestle's also involved in this. They're mixed in with the World uh, Economic Forum. UPS. 
right? These are these are companies that we know. These are companies that we do business with. Everybody knows these companies that we're talking about. This is what they're involved with behind the scenes, which makes what the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, makes what they're doing look all that more obvious, doesn't it? That's all I had tonight, gentlemen. I know we're way over on time here, but we had a lot to cover this evening. And to be honest with you, there's more that we could sit here and talk about, and I would like to. But for the benefit of the listener, we try to keep it within a workable amount of time so it doesn't take away too much of their day. But do either of you have any thoughts on the uh, the Gavi donations to the or for the World Vaccine Alliance? I would imagine that the vast majority of those smaller donors are doing it because they think they should. The larger ones are just this way of moving money around to where they want it to be so that it meets the agenda. And the rest of it is peanuts, isn't it? There used to be a joke about the Southern Ireland or Ireland contribution to the European Union used to be three hats per year, which isn't far from the truth, actually. Um, three hats? I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was a very old satire program called Spitting Image many, many years ago. And I think it's it's about to come back, you know, political satire. And it was, oh, this year, United Kingdom has contributed, let's say, 150 million to, or 150 billion even, to, to the EU. And the uh, Republic of Ireland's contribution was three hats. And that's what a lot of these ones, you know, where you've got a million from this one or 20 million from this one, it's peanuts. It's nothing compared with how much these foundations uh, are donating to these uh, to the, this organization and it, it's there for us to see it doesn't matter money doesn't matter it's it's all made up you know every major western country is so inflated and quantitative eased that those amounts of money mean absolutely nothing Hit that and, the truth. and these small companies and organizations are donating because they think that's what their customers would want them to do. They may not be part of the whole plan and be privy to the actual agenda. They are simply donating. So I wouldn't come down too hard on them. Getting back to my, this is my final point, a world where only perfect genes are allowed to go to full term inside an embryo will be a very, very sorry boring world in no time at all. It's those differences and those imperfections that make human interaction and, and, and mankind what we are. And, you know, if they ever did manage to achieve their goal of making us unaggressive, um, what better way to ensure that they've got absolute control over us? That's That's my final word on it. Thank you, guys. Well, I really don't have a whole lot to add on that. I do like the point you brought up there, Marty. You said uh, it's everyone's imperfections that make us unique. And that's what makes the world a more attractive place. And and I agree with that. It's the little things that you notice about somebody. When you meet them, you talk to them, you sit down and, and uh, you get to know them. It's the fact that we're all different is what makes humanity as dynamic and as interesting as it is. You know, I, I've learned that as... I go through life, you know, just day to day life and you run across people, you just meet random people. Right. And, you know, as you travel the world and as I've done the same thing, you don't know who you're going to run into. Right. You and I bumped into each other and, you know, the most unusual of circumstances. And we've been the best of friends ever since. And it's the fact that you have to have a certain chain of events that lead you to that point. And it's not a predictable chain of events. It's something that is unique to you and it's unique to the other person that both lead you to that point that you got to. And if it is what you say, if it turns into that where everything is, quote, perfect. Well, what's perfect to these sick individuals that are trying to carry out this agenda? If their idea of perfect is to genocide the human population, well, that's not perfect. Not to me. Not to me. Not to someone like myself that values life, that values the uniqueness of individual people, that values the experiences that I gain and allows me to learn more about other people and myself at the same time that makes me a better individual. That to me is perfection. You strive towards perfection in your own way, making yourself a better person. You don't try and re-engineer humanity in your sick way. That's something that the Nazis tried to do, and it's disgusting. And these people, these people, these are not 
people that are Nazis, not with this ideology, this eugenics and gene splicing and all that stuff. That's not what they do. These people are so mentally disturbed, they create Nazis. That's the kind of people they are. That's all I wanted to say on it. That's all I had this evening. I wanted to thank both of you for being here tonight. Fascinating conversation as always. Marty, welcome back. You know, nice to have you back. Next time you're on, I want to do 2030. I know I sent you a, um, I sent you a, yeah. a rundown of everything that's on it. That's a very relevant point, and it ties into this. So that, that's another part of this. So you've got Event 201, you've got, uh, which you mentioned there, which we can discuss that. That's part of 2030. The reset from the World Economic Forum this January and uh, Agenda 2030. That's all tied into one thing. Uh, and there's points there that we want to go over. To be honest with you, there's a lot more that we could sit here and cover. But unfortunately, we just don't have the time. Uh, but we did run over a little bit today. For those of you who have not, you would like to, please do give us a follow on the social media platform of Parlor. Love getting all your echoes, your likes, your feedbacks, any lines you'd like to drop us, we would really appreciate that as well. Love all your feedback, good or bad. You can follow me over there at janderson 3 You can follow Marty at Marty Foster. Also, if you would like to drop us a line, give us some feedback, you don't necessarily have to join us on Parlor. You can... Send us an email at tips at dynamicindependence.com. Also, we would humbly ask you to recommend us to friends and family. If you do like what you're hearing, we would appreciate it if you would pass us along to your associates, your loved ones. We like to maintain a family atmosphere around here, and we'd like to grow our audience as well. And like-minded people, really nice to have this day and age. So if you could pass us along, we'd really appreciate that. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or any of the other respective platforms that have a rating system, we would really appreciate it if you would drop a rating down for us. We would really appreciate that. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. Thank you, Marty. Thank you, Bruce, for your time tonight. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together, we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.